Hi everybody and welcome to the New Zealand Property Management Podcast brought to you by Real IQ. It's a special edition because we've decided that it's time uh, after a wee while to catch up with our old friend. Now I say old friend but he's not old, it just feels like we've known him for so long. Frank Webster. Frank who's over in Oxford in England at the moment. Frank, thanks so much for joining us. How's things over there? Yes, evening from uh, UK. Uh, yeah, we're all fine and actually feeling a lot more cheerful, uh, David, than uh, we were probably when you and I last spoke. We've been enjoying our summer holidays here. Um, we did pretty well in the Euros uh, with the football, which was good. And we've just passed Freedom Day. So, uh, but it's been a bit sort of overused, the word. We've still got some restrictions, particularly travel uh, outside of the UK. So we've got a huge number of people holidaying in good old England, uh, Scotland, Wales, and tra- transferring between each of the uh, sort of nations is, is fine, um, and everybody's making the most of it. We are sort of pretty much there, you know, over two thirds of the population double jabbed. So we're concentrating now on uh, finishing our uh, youngsters off with their second jab, and the hospitalizations are right down, and fortunately the deaths are right down. So yeah, um, I wouldn't say it's back to normal. Um, you know, it's gone f- sort of funny the op- opposite way. We've got shortages of building materials. We've got right. prices uh, rising. We've got house prices have gone crazy. Um, not enough rental stock, not enough properties for sale. Uh, so it's it's pretty bonkers. But we're winning some medals in the Olympics, so we're feeling quite pleased. Well, that's good. That's good. So, I mean, when you're talking, we'll come on to the properties in a moment because re- that's what we're really we're here to talk about. But, I mean, is it now at the stage where you can go to the pub, buy a pint? Is it, is it kind of that much back to normal now? Or is there still some restrictions pretty, on how you can live? Yeah. Pretty much. There are some restrictions. We're still wearing masks when we go into crowded spaces and or shopping uh, places. Um, but you can go into pubs. Um, it's mostly outdoor eating at the moment. Um, so, you know, that's fairly safe. But, yeah, uh, theatres are beginning to open again. Um, slightly restricted numbers. Uh, we experimented with increasing numbers at stadiums, particularly during the um, the Euros. So it is sort of back to normal. Certainly the roads are very busy. A lot of people are wearing holidays, school holidays at the moment here. Um, so we're getting there. Um, herd immunity is being discussed, but I, I can't see us getting to that stage. We, we're not going to vaccinate our youngsters, I think, under 12, and they haven't yet given the go-ahead for the... 12 and overs but i think that is going to happen yeah and we're going to get a booster jab over here um in october so uh, over 50s we'll get a booster booster jab yeah okay okay so you talked to me about the about the the, the house prices so i mean as you you're aware of what's happened in new zealand because you know we've, we've, we've discussed this and how our prices have kind of skyrocketed in the 12 months going up like 25 percent 30 percent in some places what's been occurring across the uk well, not quite those numbers, but um, same principle. You know, there's so many people have decided to move house. Uh, there was a lot of pent-up demand before over here. Uh, everybody thinks it's government initiatives because they they reduced the stamp duty that we pay here on an acquisition of a property. Um, in fact, it was waived uh, to a certain extent, uh, and it saved average person about fifteen thousand uh, pounds sterling. Uh, so there was a big rush, but. Don't forget, we had a long, drawn-out Brexit. We had a long, drawn-out election before Boris and the Conservatives uh, came through. And there was a huge pent-up demand. People delayed. And then came the pandemic. 
And so I think people were just ready to move anyway. But obviously the pandemic, again, gave people another reason to consider moving for more space, flexible working, less commuting. And we just don't have enough properties available on the market. So we're seeing the north-south divide. Um, we're seeing London didn't sort of increase. You know, London was an exodus from the major cities. Um, so the you know London prices have cooled down. And we're seeing prices Liverpool, Manchester, and the north of the country have sort of accelerated. But they're still nowhere near where they were in 2007, just before right. the crash. Right. So people are getting very excited about house prices. They're, they're roughly double-digit. So they've gone up by about £25,000 this year. Okay, okay, so that's substantial. I mean, uh, it, so there's a lot of similarities, really, to New Zealand. You said you, you're struggling to get building material. That seems to be an issue around the world. I mean, we're struggling with that. What's that doing to the rate of construction and the price of building material? Yeah, I mean, we've got fairly big major projects going on in, in the UK here. Um, so there's huge demand and the building trade and industry didn't really stop during the pandemic um but increasingly when i talk to local builders and developers they're really struggling to get hold of basic building materials uh one chap told me that in the last couple of months prices have gone over 200 percent each month so that is going to have a knock-on effect to an already uh you know difficult situation with the construction of houses in this country the conservatives have got a active policy uh you know that planning is freed up and mortgages are very low at the moment which is a good incentive as well so interest rates very low here but you know the building lack of building materials is, is going to be a real problem i mean 200 percent for material that's that's staggering i mean that's certainly that's going to knock on and roll on to um the price of property surely i mean that that's so outrageous I think the biggest worry here is what's happening in America. Their inflation is up to 5% now. We're about 2.2 here. Um, government have always tried to keep it, you know, at roughly 2%. Um, there is angst, certainly amongst some of us older uh, people who have been there, uh, where we've seen inflation, you know, skyrocket. I, I don't think that's going to be the case. Um, we've got this sort of rather sort of crazy situation at the moment where there's quite a lot of savings that people have, you know, built up during the pandemic, um, that's being spent at the moment. So the economy is is being sort of boosted. In fact, I think the economy here in the UK is back to where it was, you know, pre-pandemic. Yeah. Uh, so it's recovered increasingly, you know, incredibly quickly. But, you know, it's something I know the government of Bank of England are, are watching. Um, I mean, going back to the house market, you know, we've had incentives, government incentives, but I think they didn't need to do, but they did them nonetheless. And there was a, an extra holiday uh, added on for another few months. That's tapering out, but there's still a huge demand, uh, irrespective of they've missed the saving, uh, for people still to to buy property and to move. So the house selling market, yeah, that's where it is. Rental market, pretty much the same. We're short of property. There's a lot of people that need to rent and want the flexibility that renting uh, offers, um, but there's just not enough rental properties. Some landlords have sold and cashed in. Government thinking at the moment is slightly anti-landlord, um, you know, which is crazy because the rental market here uh, provides a, you know a backbone uh, of accommodation needs for many many people, 
and um, you know the government needs to change their tune a bit over here. Oh. You've got the same situation. It's, I was just going to say, Frank, it sounds almost identical to what we've got going on here in New Zealand, where you've got a, a, a landlord, uh, an anti-landlord establishment running the country, almost trying to bully landlords out of the market. But I mean, they talk about making house prices affordable. I mean, to do that, you've literally got to crash the housing market, and that would be catastrophic in terms of what it would do to the economy. How difficult then is it for, for, for renters over in, in the UK at the moment? Is it more regional based or is it a similar pattern across the entire United Kingdom? Well, we're still recovering from government uh, legislation during COVID where uh, it restricted and prevented landlords from uh, recovering possession of their properties. So there's a long, slow drawn out process now, uh, mediation, the government have ordered mediation, first of all, before people approach our courts. Um, but there's quite a lot of situations, you know, where people have been unable to pay their rent, although there's been plenty of um, help provided by the government and local authorities for people to pay their rent. Nonetheless, there's still a situation where people need to go because uh, they've not paid their rent. So the courts have got quite a backlog, backlog of, of that at the moment. Um, there's a shortage of, of, of renting property uh, and, yeah, you know, a, a disincentive at the moment for landlords. Although I see now, and I speak to many agents that I work and help, and they are seeing quite a lot of renewed interest from landlords uh, who want to continue, you know, to, to buy property, to let, right. um, irrespective. And um, that's a good sign. Yeah. So can we just go back to what you're talking about in, in terms of, um, you know, getting tenants who kind of fall into defaults? Um, how difficult then is that? So there's, there's no, have you had like a, a, a banning of evictions and, and, and as such? What, what's been played out during the pandemic in terms of rental legislation? Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. It was a moratorium. So um, evictions, both residential and commercial. I mean, the commercial, uh, for the guys looking after um, commercial properties, that's been pushed back to 2022. Right. So, um, but over here, finally, uh, landlords now can apply. Indeed, most landlords have applied and got the court paperwork uh, ready, but the government have introduced this mediation process. So, uh, you know, that's fairly straightforward, but it's just the sheer number. Uh, you know, it's probably, I don't know, 250 odd. Um, sort of thousand properties that are needing to go through the court. So it's Two, going to take uh, 250,000. That's, that's a lot yeah, of I'm properties. Yeah, I'm have to stand correct on that number. Um, yeah. I don't know why that, that came into my mind. I'll, I'll double check. But um, it's a lot of uh, property, but it's not as bad as it as it was. Uh, I'm hearing certainly from the agents that I help that um, rent negotiations are pretty much back to norm. Over here, they've always tracked roughly the rate of inflation. But of course, during the pandemic, you know, there were probably zero increases. But actually, at the moment, there's not so many um, decreases being negotiated. So uh, a lot of people have renewed their tenancies. They've not all gone off into the countryside, despite the press uh, getting very excited that people are all moving to uh, seaside and, and into the countryside. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's uh, pretty good considering, you know, what we've, what we've all been through. What's the support then? So if you're a, if you've been a, there must be some assistance for landlords. Have the banks been helping landlords who've had tenants who've fallen into financial hardship that you can't remove? I mean, because you need the rent to pay the mortgage. What's been, what assistance has there been for landlords? 
Yeah, there's been some assistance. That's probably been the biggest issue over here. That there's not everybody feels that landlords have been left out of it, as it, as it were. There's been assistance for tenants, um, you know, and, and not so much help for for landlords. Uh, there have been mortgage holidays. So uh, landlords have been able to apply as homeowners have been for a mortgage holiday. Uh, I think that's got a double edge to it in the sense that it, it might delay, you know, the repayment, but interest is still chargeable. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of adding, you know, to people's overall, you know, repayment term and, and to the amount that they, they're going to repay. Um, but yeah, I mean, landlords have really had to just suffer in, in, in silence. Um, I think you know, the government's attitude is, there's always that landlords can sort of afford to take it on the chin. And, you know, there will be cases, no doubt, throughout the UK where landlords have not been able yeah. to do that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's all going to come out, you know, in the next next six months or so, I would say. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in terms of... Because I, I was reading somewhere, Frank, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's like 700,000 people have left London. Um, I mean, that must surely have made renting a little bit more affordable in the capital city now. What What's happening with rents in the uh, UK? Yeah, I, I think the London's always an exception, obviously. Uh, capital city, 13 million odd population. Um, there's no doubt that rents and house prices in London have sort of come down. And actually, there's quite a lot of interest in investors and some overseas people now, as we begin to travel, it allow travel again. Um, you still have to self-isolate, depending on you know uh, the traffic light system that we have, you know, from coming from certain countries. But investors are now starting to look at London again because you know the froth that there was on a on a on a housing market that you know risen quite in, incredibly. I think one of the big changes we used to have a ripple effect from London that came out in the first place it would hit would be somewhere like Oxford. It's about sixty miles from London. And I think that ripple effect now has, has sort of changed. And I think London, which has got about 35 boroughs within it, is almost a market within a market. It's, mm. it's very it's very unique. And it, and it slightly has to be taken out of the sort of overall, you know, facts and figures for the rest of the country. Uh, Oxford is almost the same in many respects. It has a severe land shortage. Uh, it's basically a swamp. Um, and, and you know it's very difficult to build so we have that same issue of supply and demand um, and our house prices are you know exceptionally high in comparison to other parts of the, of the country but yeah I think rents softened um, a little bit throughout the UK but, but you know actually both house prices and rents are stabilized and obviously house prices are increasing to double digits again at the moment, which is rather worrying. And what's happening like rental inflation? Because over in New Zealand, there's real big concerns that, I mean, if you look at historically, rent inflation hasn't really changed that much since the 1990s. It's been around about 4 5%. Um, but there is this concern of a disparity between incomes and rents. What's been the case in the UK? What's rental inflation like compared to just normal inflation and wage inflation? Yeah, rental inflation, despite what the press hype it up when they've got nothing better to do, and they talk about double-digit rent inflation, it's never been that, that ever. It's always pretty much tracked inflation. Mm. So our inflation has been either just above zero or it's, you know, it's increased to 2%, two, two just over 2% at the moment. Um, you know, Oxford's a very good example where the majority of, of employment around Oxford is connected to the universities, 
to the health authority. We have seven teaching hospitals here in Oxford, and and local authority workers, and all three of those categories. The salaries are not, you know, they're not huge. So all those fantastic scientists that have been working on the vaccine, um, you know, they're not paid massive salaries. So it's a the multiple here for buying is about fourteen point one. Uh, of an average salary, you know, it's 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 virtually impossible unless you're you're gifted money these days to actually be able to afford to buy in in mm. Oxford, you know, city centre. Um, so obviously, consequently, people then end up you know buying you know outside. So rent inflation, you know, people can only afford what they can afford, and I think you know there's sensible. It's always been sensible opinion about rents. Um, student rents went up quite a bit uh, at one point. Uh, but again, you know, that was the pocket and bank of mum and dad. And mum and dad eventually said enough is enough. So I think everybody realises at some point, as I think they will with the housing market, <laughs> that they're all beginning to pay a bit too much. So we haven't seen that, yeah. uh, you know, substantial rent inflation that you, you've described in Wellington. Yeah, I mean, what what the concern in New Zealand is, is that we've got to just have a generation of, of people. And, and and you've seen it, there's, a, there's almost like a... A gap now between the boomers and the younger generation coming through and there's also a, a, quite a lot of resentment from a younger generation because they feel that they're never going to be able to afford to buy property and buy a home is there something is that similar case in the UK and if it is what changes in rental legislation are being implemented or being talked about to protect the rights of tenants well, if we had about three hours for this podcast, David, <laughs> I could probably uh, bore everybody stupid with the amount of research, the amount of government um, thinking and uh, industry-wide thinking that's currently going on and has been going on for years to try and solve this, you know, old chestnut. There is actually a very good report which I'll, has just come out, and I'll send it to you for you to. Um, it's, it's on the web, so it's a PDF, and you'll be able to give it to your listeners. Uh, and your customers. Uh, Nationwide Building Site is one of the leading uh, lending institutions here in the UK. And over the years, they've always sort of been very proactive in uh, looking at accommodation and property in the UK housing sector. And they've just commissioned um, a really interesting report with Mori, uh, you know, one of the pollster sort of uh, companies, and it's called Future of Home. And it's looking at the inequalities between homeowners and renters in very magnified detail uh, and it's looking at what effect COVID has had on you know changing attitudes and, and the type of properties that we need now uh, working at home more you know a bit more space a bit more garden uh, and also uh, an increasing trend of uh, an aging population but where that aging population is coming out of home ownership and is also going is going back into renting right uh, and it's a very interesting cohort, which I think some agents are starting to realise, you know, and I've seen some agents having specialist shoppers, if you like, helping those that, you know, they may have lost their, their partner, they may have gifted some money to grandchildren or children, and they don't want the ongoing repairing responsibility and the worry of a bricks and mortar, you know, a bricks and mortar ownership. So it's an interesting converse where you've got the aspiring youngsters who would like to buy, but getting that deposit saved here in the UK, you know, it's become increasingly difficult, although there are lots of, you know, government incentives over here, 5% schemes, you know, where they only have to put 5% deposit. 
the bank of mum and dad, by the way, over here is now the biggest lender. Yeah. It's lending more money to children. Um, and that's a result of the baby boomers and those of us that have been able to buy property in the UK. Uh, and we've seen a substantial capital gain and we've managed to, you know, create equity during that period. And I think there's a, not a guilt as such, but there's a, a natural willingness that we share. You can't take it with you when you go and inheritance tax is a nasty tax. So there's a lot of planning that people yeah. are now realizing that actually, do they really need this home yeah. uh, and they'll rent uh, and, and so on and so forth. So anyway, going back to this report, it's called Future of Home and it, it, it's looking at new homes, uh, net zero, which of course we're all working towards uh, green homes. There's uh, a huge section on, on how the private rented sector um, could adapt uh, because it's all about availability and affordability uh, and, and the delivery of new homes. It's a very, very interesting report. It's one of the best I've, I've right. written for ages. Whether, whether or not it will get captured government's attention and they'll do anything is a different matter. Well, I mean, well, it'll certainly catch my attention, Frank, because uh, there's you know reports like that I find fascinating. I think we can certainly learn a lot. I mean, sometimes we're a little bit insular in New Zealand. We just look at what we're doing in our own backyard and we should be looking further afield. You talked there about the um, net carbon zero. And we've got New Zealand's committed to uh, net carbon zero 2050. Um, our rental stock in New Zealand traditionally is of poor quality. What is steps uh, happening in the UK? And you mentioned there in the report that there's aspects about what landlords can do, what the private rental sector can do. What are the suggestions coming forward? Yeah, um, well, that's a bit worrying and also for landlords at the moment because the government's intention is that we come away from fossil fuels so a lot of our central heating uh, systems here in the UK are natural gas, uh, so fossil fuels. Um, and it's the government have put a marker down that we all new homes built, I think from certainly 2030, I think it might be even earlier, won't have gas boilers in properties. So we'll be looking to go to electric sort of uh, heat pumps, uh, which you're more familiar with, or air source heat pumps, ground source heat pumps. Uh, they're being tested at the moment. They're not as effective. They don't provide that immediate, uh, you know, our, 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 we still have a large stock of properties in the UK, which are difficult to retrofit in terms of insulation, um, you know, solid brick construction. So they're pretty poorly insulated. Um, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's looking quite complicated and quite expensive for landlords uh, and indeed homeowners, because we have this energy performance rating over here. Yeah. Um, and a, they're, they're increasingly notching up the level where you can legally let. So at the moment is E. Um, they want the government to take that to level C. Um, and, you know, for a lot of solid brick properties, that would mean uh, internally insulation, losing a bit of space uh, or external insulation, which is quite expensive. Um, you know, and any green initiatives, the government have opened up the coffers. Those green initiatives have probably run out within hours you know of the, of the government launching them um so it, it's 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 going that way and i think you know electric cars clearly something that's really taking off over here so um there's all the uh, the worries of how the electric grid uh, national grid is going to cope with with, with that <laughs> yeah it, it's it, it's a big issue new homes this we've had a bit of a heat wave this last week uh, most people are suffering from homes that are too hot <laughs> so the converse <laughs> is that we've got these insulated flats and apartments 
uh, where even if you open the window, they're simply too hot yeah. to live in. Uh, and then if you put air conditioning, of course, it negates, uh, you know, the, the sort of eco level uh, you know, that, that, that house or apartment is, is meant to be at. And it undoes the whole sort of purpose of all the, the rating and the insulation. So it's very complicated. And, yeah. and this report that I've just mentioned does look at how, how we might simplify that. But, you know, it's, a, it's going to be an interesting few years ahead, I think. The cost of, I mean, the EPC, because over in New Zealand there's a big debate now, and actually we're just covering it in our, in our uh, latest blog about the um, the Green Party are pushing for this rental warrant of fitness, which I actually don't uh, think is a bad idea. And I've kind of suggested that we should introduce something similar to an EPC in New Zealand with that grading system. What is the cost? I mean, is the talk of a rental warrant of fitness or an MOT, I think you call it in the UK from memory. Is there talk of anything like that happening in the UK? And, and, and what's the costs around EPCs and how long they're valid for? At the moment, energy performance certificates are valid for 10 years. Um, uh, listed, you know, older properties that are um, a special historic interest are, are exempt. Um, they cost about a hundred pounds, uh, roughly, you know, to to get. You you can obviously do a bulk deal if you're an estate agent or letting agent with a supplier and get that down to probably seventy five pounds or so. There's the the, the the algorithms that originally designed for them are now arguably out of date mm. and are very centrically focused around most properties having central gas central heating. So they are looking at amending the algorithms and the calculations. Uh, it, it's not a perfect science. Uh, domestic energy assessors have to be qualified, and they use a government uh, software that, that works out the uh, energy rating. Uh, and then, in addition, it works out the rating that the property could have. Yeah. Um, you know, were it to have some improvements, there, there's there's a lot of sense behind it. Um, do purchasers and tenants look at it when they start the viewing process? I think they're doing that more so than they did when energy performance certificates originally came on the scene over here yeah but i think you know they're not perfect um but they give an indication and, uh, I, frank, I, I think it's quite a good system yeah can i just ask you the uh, the assessors who do the work are they independent from contractors because there is we've seen our healthy homes implementation in new zealand and some of the critique has been the quality of some of the assessors um, the level of skill that they've got, yes. and also the fact that they they may be linked in. They're, they're just saying, "Oh, you failed here. You need to get a heat pump of X amount," and they're just clipping the tickets on that. So far as I'm aware, they are you know independent of, of you know any other uh, sort of activity. They are there to assess, and and that's their role. And they're quite stringently yeah. tested and checked on. Um, it's it's not easy actually to become a domestic energy assessor in my old firm finders keepers we looked at you know getting some of our property managers um you know trained up but it was quite a, an, an intensive and costly exercise and then there is that that issue you've just raised about you know are, are you then you know acting independently um there are issues you know we've we've had um after the 10 years have come up we've had energy assessors go back and you know the ratings possibly got even worse and we then found once we've drilled holes and, and put a sort of camera up into a roof that had no access that it was insulated or you know various things they make certain assumptions uh, and i think that's what needs improving yeah. in these algorithms yeah 
because we have found that some of the ratings have, have been, you know, erroneously um, arrived at with the software. But on the whole, it's got to be better for everybody. You know, tenants will stay longer. Um, you know, and we, and we cannot go on. There's so many weather events around the world now. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting pretty serious. Yeah, it is. It is. I agree. I agree. So can we just look at the, the property management industry and also just like aspects of, of legislation? Did you, I, I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, but I mean, we removed our no cause uh, or no cause evictions or terminations. Have you gone down the same path there? I know Scotland has. Is that now taking effect in, in, in the UK? The government issued a note about a month ago to say that they wanted to um, connect with the industry and, and the whole of the private rented sector stakeholders uh, and review where it, where they're going on it. The Queen's speech said that they were going to remove Section 21, it is over yeah. here, but they seem to be not backtracking, but I think they do seem to want to engage with all the stakeholders. And I think they've realised... Uh, during COVID that they've got to get this right. Whether it goes the way Scotland has done, I have to say, I, you know, the Scottish system, it's not something I'm, I'm very familiar with, but I'm not aware that it has caused massive problems. Yeah. What I think is very interesting is that most good landlords want their tenants to stay. Um, you know, we do need to tweak our Housing Act over here. We need to get a few things uh, sorted out to get the balance between landlord and tenant, you know, a bit more updated and modern, um, and, and, and you know, use insurance much more and things like the MOT, so that tenants know that the, the properties they're renting when they go online are safe to rent. There's need a lot more education, but I just wonder whether government are now wondering whether or not we might um, uh, sort of amend you know, the way that we operate with our Section 21. It's effectively two months' notice over here that a yeah. tenant would have. Um, and, you know, the COVID um, government interference took that up to six months. Uh, and, yes, there was the ban on evictions. I, I just wonder whether there might be a, a sort of halfway house where they might just increase the amount of notice uh, that landlords have to give. But, you know, it's difficult to tell, I think, until the autumn of Parliament and the ministers go back, we, we won't be engaging with them. But certainly when we next talk, I'll try and give you a, an update. Yep. But at the moment, we've, we've still got our Section 21. Yeah, and, and in terms of the industry, I mean, there's talk of it getting regulated here. I know there's been ongoing talk about it being regulated in the UK. How far down the path are you towards having a fully regulated property management and renting uh, letting in industry? Yeah, I think that, unfortunately, is probably now a little bit further away by virtue of the COVID uh, issues and the amount of time the government have spent literally shoring up, you know, jobs and the, and the country. So I think we're now possibly even going into another parliament, um, whether it's going to get sorted out on the back of existing legislation. There is the possibility under an estate agency act where they could tweak the act uh, and bring it in. Um, Again, I think they want to talk to the industry uh, more in the autumn and, and, you know, understand we as an industry just going ahead as if. So most property managers, are, you know, and companies are getting qualified. Um, and, you know, most of the sort of interconnected sectors of the state agency, the real estate in this country are, you know, getting themselves ready and acting as if they are regulated. 
but legally at the moment and, and you know through, through government and parliament that that's some way off unfortunately is churn an issue with the industry in terms of not just staff but also with landlords and replacing business uh, because it is as, as we know it can be quite a, an industry which can be quite thankless at times and there's, there's quite a bit of conflict yeah. in it so what, any issues there i think that is something certainly on the staffing front i think that uh, employers are now much more aware of the need to uh, offer a, a sort of interesting and meaningful career so there's a lot of work going on to uh, give a career path for both letting specialists or property management specialists um, you know including qualification um, and using technology to make the job more interesting so a lot of the, the, the drudgery uh, and, the, and the sort of minutiae of detail that you get involved in in letting property management is being taken over by AI and slick tech mm. so that frees up you know staff to be able to uh, actively spend more time you know helping landlords to acquire more property or improve their properties and for the letting uh, staff to spend more time with applicants and really help them find the right properties instead of you know just a number on the internet so I think there's positives there uh, in terms of landlord churn we've gone through our phases here of accidental landlords yeah. there might be still a few accidental landlords uh, i think the, the short let market has been you know really kicked to touch by the pandemic and people are now concentrating perhaps more on holiday lets um there's a big thing with staycations in this country but most serious landlords are going to stick with it yeah um they're making good um capital gain um they're they're learning I, you know if we get regulated i think more of them will use qualified property managers you know uh, it, it's definitely stabilized i would say what percentage would you say frank are using because we'll have to wind up soon because um but uh, what percentage are using uh, landlords are using property managers to, to manage their assets well i keep reading different statistics but i would say probably there are still over 50 percent of the landlords are actually managing the property themselves mm. they might be using letting agents to find uh, a property uh, a tenant and then they might be using a letting agent to collect the rent but i think there's still a large cohort of landlords who at the moment uh, are managing it themselves and i think that's the problem and which is why we're getting a lot of the yeah. uh, bad press uh, without a doubt because most of us in the industry find it very difficult to keep up with the changes there are over 168 pieces of legislation it was 150 somebody's added it up and it's now 168 pieces of legislation that affect a letting agent or a property manager on a daily basis yeah. i.e a landlord yeah and that is a lot uh, to keep up with um so over here i think you'll see more agents refusing to offer a let only service um uh you know it, it'll swing towards uh, more people using agents but there's a long way to go on that one and, and there's a lot of good business for agents to work on there we've got to get these landlords you know to switch across and, and, and use qualified agents yeah okay so we'll wind it up now frank it's been great again having you talk to us we really really appreciate it the one thing which we didn't touch on was the old build to rent concept i think in future uh, discussions i think we can probably do a specific one for build to rent if you don't mind being able to to do that because that's getting talked a lot about um in new zealand uh, just to finish off with Frank, I mean, what have you done? Uh, oh, what, it's, it's school holidays there now. I mean, what are you doing in terms of holidays? You obviously can't go over to Europe. What, what's the plans for the Webster family? 
Well, we've just had two weeks down in Wales, in Pembrokeshire, which is lovely. Um, it's not quite New Zealand, but there are parts of it with um, outstanding area of beauty and uh, beautiful coastal. Uh, we've had great weather, so we, we've, we've most of the UK inhabitants are, you know, spending time uh, in the UK. It's just too much hassle traveling yeah. uh, overseas and uh, self isolation and all that. So uh, yeah, we're certainly um, enjoying a boom time of staycations here here in the UK. And I've got another break coming up in September in uh, Devon, which is another uh, lovely part of, of the UK. Yeah. So I think we're all realizing that, like you, we've got actually a pretty good country here, and although it is a bit crowded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's well, a bit busy on holiday at the moment. <laughs> well, it is a wonderful country, Frank, and you know, hopefully, we'll be able to you know meet up in person in the not too distant future. Uh, once we're all vaccinated and we we open up Fortress New Zealand at some point. Thanks for joining us, Frank. It's been <laughs> it's been wonderful having you on board. And uh, enjoy your evening. And uh, we'll talk again soon. All the best to everybody. Thanks, David. Bye. Cheers.